Hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Could Dalvin Cook be staying? Welcome to Lockout. You liked it on 3 1, 2, 3. You liked it! You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome in to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day each and every day. And a special shout out to my hashtag everydayers. Those of you who actually listen to the show every day, I uh, love you guys. Appreciate you. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today to get started. And you can, of course, find this show wherever you find your favorite podcasts, whether it is an audio platform, maybe YouTube, maybe even Amazon Fire or Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. Uh, today on the show, the first thing is, I guess, something that has been sort of discussed a little bit, like sort of softly over the last like week. Uh, Darren Wolfson said it on, I think it was a Score North show, um, that gives it a, an air of legitimacy that is maybe Dalvin Cook's having a change of heart. Uh, we'll talk about why that could be, and then um, that has a lot of bearing on the futures of bunch of guys right in in the vikings roster but namely those guys on the roster bubble kind of elsewhere in the running back group uh like ty chandler or kenny wongwu or dwayne mcbride who we talked about uh last week but those two guys i would like to do their every man series bits too it's a good time to think about those two guys um but first let, let's go over this so darren wilson kind of hinted but didn't hint or whatever uh, but essentially he's saying, hey, look, you know, he's been saying and, and harping really hard for the last like five months that Dalvin Cook is like not a Viking. And I've pretty much been going off of that, too, um, that like, OK, Dalvin Cook, he's either going to get cut or traded and it's kind of been over and they've told him and then that's it. Right. If you listen to the way his agent talked at like interviews all, all over this whole offseason, he was kind of talking about Dalvin Cook, like not really being a Viking. There was that whole thing where the Vikings edited uh, Alexander Madison into the like Twitter banner. Instead, I don't really put a lot of stock into that. That's just a social media person. Those people like often don't even know uh, unless they get like a specific directive like, hey, this player is like canceled. Get him out of the header or something like that. Um, so I don't put a lot of stock into that. But if you wanted to, I guess you could. Uh, either way, there's been all kinds of signs of the kind of end of Dalvin Cook in Minnesota. And now, wait, hold on. Maybe there's a turnaround and a plot twist. This kind of stuff happens all the time. Uh, and I think that the reasoning, or at least the reasoning Doogie put forward, which I think sounds pretty rational, is the market maybe isn't turning out the same way that he thought. Or at least I think Doogie said that. I don't know. Um, but it, it's it makes sense, right? Um the running back market is not shaping up very well 
for running backs, like for the players, like Ezekiel Elliott's still out there. The trade market wasn't the way they wanted. Like Derrick Henry is, hasn't seen the trade that, that, I mean, he wanted a trade. And I think honestly, once we got past the draft and you didn't see any of these running back, except who is it? DeAndre Swift got traded. Like once we went through the draft and like that was kind of it, everybody else's trade market got a little weird because now all of these teams can say, yeah, like the, uh, like the dolphins, they can say like, yeah, we, we were into Dalvin cook and that did go deep. Uh, but then, you know, we kind of, we took a guy in the third round. We actually kind of like that and we'll just stick with that. And they can like say that. And that totally torpedoes all the negotiations. So maybe that's not there. And then the idea as it's always been, um, will be, and we kind of saw both sides of this with Adam Thielen and Harrison Smith. If you remember, uh, before free agency, I kind of went over their contracts in a way and kind of said, okay, here's how everything looks and you know if they don't think they can do better than whatever the the vikings offer is on the open market they'll take the vikings offer and if not then they'll take free agency thielen took free agency harrison smith took the offer my guess is that there is still something like that on dalvin cook's plate that he wasn't going to take because he thought yeah man i can do better than that franchise tag for running backs is 10.5 million and my base salary is already i think it's 11 like whatever pay cut like i'm not taking it right but maybe now that that market has sh- uh, shaken out in a way where maybe you don't feel like you can get the franchise tag anymore and you go, OK, well, maybe we can come to the table and maybe we can talk a little bit more. Um, I think that's what's going on here. I-, I-, I don't know if there was I mean, Dalvin Cook loves Minnesota. He loves his teammates so much. I mean, the- like the bromance of Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison is incredible. Um and CJ Ham and like those three, if you watch them walking around at training camp or like inseparable, uh, really, really good pals. So I, I think that there is maybe something to that. I don't know how many, how many dollars that's worth to Dalvin cook, but I have to imagine it's part of the thought and just, you know, Hey, this is where he's been his whole career and all that. Um, yeah, I could totally see that market kind of shake, shaking out in a way that, spurs dalvin cook to maybe think twice now does that mean oh he's definitely staying no of course not and my official answer the company line here is i don't know i don't know what happens with dalvin cook can't wait to find out let's see uh but i don't know it's it's not going to be something that i try to like super sleuth an answer to ahead of time i'll just wait and see what happens if he shows up to like start showing up to otas then maybe we know oh hmm, maybe he's just going to play out his deal as is Uh, the other thing is the vikings you know in trading zadarius smith they don't really need more cap relief. Uh, they can kind of do everything they need to do with the money that they have now. Even the extensions that they have to do, they can do more signing bonus stuff or backload more of them stuff. Maybe do less signing bonus stuff so that you don't have to pay any chunks of that signing bonus right now. Just do things with guaranteed salary or whatever. You've got all kinds of cap space in 24. Like there's a lot of options there. Um so they don't even necessarily need to make that cap space or maybe they're going to make some and Dalvin Cook's going, well, maybe this is a better deal than what I'm going to get on the open market. And you reassess and, and that kind of changes as you go forward. Um, but what it's going to do here is make the running back room really, really interesting. The, the, the running back room felt like a completed thought and it really felt like the Vikings built the running back room not expecting Dalvin Cook to be there. And if you, you know, add Dalvin Cook to that room, it's awesome, right? Um, take a finished dish, 
scrape some uh, truffle, truffle or grate some truffle over it, and you're you're usually doing pretty good, right? <laughs> but it does put some interesting roster pressure on the bottom. I mean, we kind of looked at this and we went, all right. And like we even did it on on Minnesota Football Party where we did like a way too early 53-man roster thing and running back felt really easy. It was like, okay, Madison, Chandler, and then like McBride and or Wong Wu and then CJ Ham, like depending on if you want to keep four or five guys there. Uh, we ended up keeping all five and that like didn't feel that weird. But then you add Dalvin Cook to that and you're not keeping six running backs, right? Keeping five. That's what they did last year. And hey, all these guys contribute on special teams. You know, what's the difference, right? Um, a linebacker that doesn't play or a running back that doesn't play. If these guys are going to be on the punt cover teams, that's what we care about, right? Um, but six of them is a lot. And so then you have to look at these guys that maybe are only going to contribute on special teams, guys that won't get in. And if Dalvin Cook is on the Vikings, these guys aren't getting in. You're going to get maybe some Alexander Madison drives to spell, but you're not going to get a lot of Wong Wu or Chandler or all these other guys. I, at least I don't think so. I don't think you do the committee thing if you have Dalvin Cook. Um, so those guys now really have to make their hay on special teams. Wong Wu, that seems like that's the, he's the, the easiest guy to pencil in there. He's already housed three kick returns. He has that job absolutely locked up, and he participates in the other uh, units as well. Um, Chandler also kind of made the team doing that last year. He did not make the team from scrimmage. He had a solid preseason from scrimmage, but he didn't make the team to be RB4. He, he made the team to play special teams. And that also, um, he ended up getting hurt. So he, he lost out on a lot of opportunities. Like maybe he could have been there in a couple of the like blowout games when Kenny Wong was actually getting reps. Maybe that could have been Chandler. Who knows? And we know the Vikings are really high on him as like, a from scrimmage running back as well. So I wonder, well, maybe Dwayne McBride is the guy, the odd man out seventh round pick. That's not necessarily a, uh, guaranteed <laughs> like that doesn't guarantee you anything, right? Seventh round picks get cut all the time. Um, I think like maybe half of them make the team. I don't know. Somebody should check that for me. How many seventh round picks make the team their first year or ever make the team at all, right? Because some of them, you know, they'll, they'll do the Blake Brandell where they miss the team the first year, but then they come back and then they got to do the restricted free agent thing when their contract's up um, or the the exclusive rights free agent thing, I guess, is what Brandell did. Anyways, the the room is suddenly fascinating and really, really pressured. And that's not a bad thing. Redundancy at a position like running back at like skill positions, redundancy is great. At any position where you can rotate, redundancy is great. It keeps guys fresh. It keeps them healthier. It gives you depth in the in the case of an injury, which we've had some of that. Um, but I remind you that we've been told incessantly that Dalvin Cook had this shoulder surgery and now his shoulder is totally fine. And we've been talking all about like, why didn't you do that earlier or whatever, but it should be behind him or whatever, right? So... Do we have, you know, how much more of a consideration or less of a consideration is that? Like, what probability do we assign to that? Do we adjust it at all? Is all kind of part of this calculus. It all just makes for a really interesting room. So for the rest of the show, I would like to talk about two of those guys that sort of we don't know where they slot in really if Dalvin Cook stays. And if he doesn't stay, it's still kind of interesting to see how will the Vikings use them? Will they actually keep all these guys? And I want to talk about Kenny Wongu and Ty Chandler and do their installments on the Everyman series. So we'll, we'll sort of back the tone up a little bit, slow down, chill out a little bit, and tell a few stories. How about that? Before I do that, though, there's a nice little uh, break in the action. Let's talk about uh, Grambling. 
FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook, and it's America's number one sportsbook for a reason. That is because new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. Yeah, the, the amount went up $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Now, you can bet on whatever at FanDuel. The app is safe, secure, and easy to use. If you win, you get paid out instantly. You can do all kinds of things from wacky parlays, things like how many threes will Jimmy Butler get in game seven? Uh, he's playing in game seven, right? I don't watch basketball. <laughs> you can bet on uh, futures for the NFL, stuff like how many games will the Vikings win? They're at over under eight and a half. So do you think the Vikings will have a winning record or a losing record? You can bet on that. Um, you can bet on crazy stuff like who will be the NFL MVP? And of course, you know, baseball games, hockey, all of that good stuff. You can find it all. And once again, if you're new, go to fanduel.com slash locked on and you can get a no sweat first bet up to 2,500 bucks back in bonus bets if you whiff on that first bet. Once again, that is fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more. Thanks so much for making Locked On Vikings uh, your first listen of the day. For your next thing, uh, check out my Patreon, patreon.com slash LukeBronNFL. You can get a D. Wayne McBride video there if you're not getting enough D. Wayne McBride talk today. Uh, you can also get a couple on Jordan Addison, one on Makai Blackman. I've got a Jay Ward one coming up as well. We're working through everybody. Uh, I have a Jaron Hall one that I posted right after the draft. For this next story, I would like to take you to the early 1990s in uh, Newe, Nigeria, a more industrial, it's a, it's a metropolitan area of Nigeria, and it's been growing really, really fast over the last few decades. Uh, and a couple moved out of there to various Texas towns, ended up having uh, Kene Wangwu. The Wangwus moved, uh, eventually nestled in Frisco, Texas. So uh, they, I mean, look, every time you get this like first generation immigration kind of story you'll get parents that were like hard work discipline like super you know really wanted to instill those values in their kid you get that with kenny of course uh but i want to take you to a, a picnic that his family was having with a whole bunch of other parents uh he was about seven during this and the kids are gonna have a little competition they have a little race and kenny wongwu dusts them like he is off and one of the other parents approaches his mom and dad and they're like, you got to put this dude in track. So they do. And he is, of course, a total track superstar. And he decides he's going to play a little bit of football as well. Um, but he doesn't start until middle school. So seventh grade. And because he's lanky and he doesn't he doesn't look like a football kid. So they put him on the C team and two plays in this is the second play he's ever played in the sport of football he like houses a run because he's just that much faster than all of the other kids and they're like okay maybe we we, you, we don't have to put you on the c team <laughs> and he just like skyrockets like that and that is going to be the story of kenny wongwu for so much of the early part of his career until he starts getting around more comparable athletes it's like his coaches call him crazy legs. Like they don't have to try at all. He's just completely dominating everybody in high school. Uh, the coaches are like, yeah, we pretty much just call power every play and watch the scoreboard go up. Like we don't really have to do anything. Like that is the way that they describe him, that he's just this cheat code. They call. It's like watching a video game. He'll just put up like 600 yards, like whatever. Uh, and he's also in track. He is a high jump champion and really well-regarded athlete. Um, Eventually, it is even rumored that he can run a 429 
And that gets him a lot of interest from basically the entire Big 12. Now, he's in Frisco, Texas. He's in Texas, but he doesn't get any interest from actual Texas schools, just the Big 12, or the, the Big 12 schools that aren't Texas schools. Um, so there's a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Like, he he sees himself as, like, under-recruited and underappreciated. And as this guy, the kid that was kind of always playing catch-up because he didn't start football as early as some of the other kids did. And so there is this sort of this drive to that in addition to that work ethic kind of instilled in him by his parents. Um, so he is choosing schools and he ends up going to a game at Ames, Iowa, at Iowa state versus Oklahoma state. He falls in love and, um, he, so he commits to the Cyclones and freshman year, he actually houses a kick return. Um, as a lot of true freshmen who, uh, don't necessarily redshirt, but a lot of true freshmen will just play special teams, right? They'll they'll be in the depth parts of the roster. He gets that kick return job and he houses one and he actually makes second team all Big 12 as a kick returner. That is going to be really important here because kick returning for Kenny Wongwu becomes something of an identity. Um, but for that to happen, you have to understand kind of where he's coming from a little bit. So in track... He was, I mean, he's fast, right? He's great straight line sprinter. He That was always where he was most competitive, but he could never really do hurdles as well. Hurdles was just not his event. It wasn't the technique that he had, but he tried. His coaches still had him in it, and it was not his strong suit, but he, he tried. He just could never get that, get over them like smoothly enough. And one time uh, before his sophomore year, he ends up, uh, he's running hurdles, and he like catches the hurdle a little bit weird, he comes down on his ankle awkwardly and he hears a pop and it's his Achilles and it's going to sit him sideline him for his entire sophomore season. And I think for somebody that always plays so fast, like the game comes so fast to you. Rehab is such an arduous, especially if an Achilles injury is such a long and arduous and uh, tedious process that it teaches Ken A. Wong a little bit more patience. And it's one of those things that translates way outside of the football field. That it's just something where like when you're rehabbing, your goal eventually is to walk again, to play again, to do all that stuff. But you cannot walk today. You will not be able to walk today. No matter what you do, no matter how hard you will it, no matter how hard you work, you will not walk today. Today is not the day for walking. That is a long-term goal. And today you just have to worry on like what is in front of you? What is today's rehab plan, Right. And he had to sort of get used to that, that one day at a time mentality. You can't eat the whole thing in one bite. And there is this, this patience that comes with it. He also credits uh, a teammate of his that had gone through the same rehab process a year before. Uh, and that helps him to get into that mentality. And it, it's, it's a, it, ask anybody who gets hurt like that young, who has like a, they miss a year of college because of an injury and they have to rehab. It's like this very maturing process. It, humbles you I think a little bit because there is just something so insurmountable about my body is actually a fragile thing that you know this that I'm not invincible and it is humbling and it gives you a, a certain patience and then when he comes back he's buried on the depth chart behind David Montgomery <laughs> David Montgomery is here and now he's the Cyclones running back so Kenny Wong was not going to be the guy um but he still returns kicks. And I, I can't 
remember if he was a kick returner in high school too, and that's where he really fell in love with it. But at some point in his career, he truly fell in love with kick returning. And, you know, being a running back is fun, but but for him, he smiles when you ask him about it. And it's the the, the opportunity to like turn a game around. Like you think about Thanksgiving last year when he housed that one against the Patriots. Um, that real, I mean, that game felt like it was getting out of hand against the Vikings. And then suddenly, bam, seven points right on the board. We're right back in it. And that feel of momentum, every time he has housed a kick, he did that in college. He's done that now three times here on the Vikings. Every time he houses one, you can, he says, you can really feel your teammates buy into it and how exciting it is for them and for the fans and everything like that. But, but the way that it just changes the whole dynamic where you go, man, we're down 14 points. Oh, wait, actually, we're just down a score. We kind of can do this, guys. And that hope, he really relishes that opportunity to have the ball in your hand. Just you, find your lane, go be fast, and you can turn this thing around, having that power. Um, and I remember when I did this series his rookie year, I was like, I think he's going to win the kick return job, guys. I think he kind of cares about it way more. You know, a lot of people on special teams, a lot of players on special teams, especially if they're, you know, guys that were superstars from scrimmage in college and stuff, they don't really, it's, you know, it's the thing you do because you're a backup and whatever, right? I guess I'll learn this new thing, but it's secondary. You're going, well, really, my goal is to like get in as a linebacker. And yeah, I guess I'll do some special teams too. But but for Kenny Wong, it is that that's priority 1A is I want to be the kick returner. I want to be a special teamer. I want to be, that's that's where I get my my kicks, you know, no pun intended. Um, and I, I think that that sort of identity is going to make him a favorite candidate, even if he never gets in as a running back. He'll always be. There will always be a spot on the roster for a guy with that mentality. Always, always, always. That said, it's not like running back is completely by the wayside and he will compete Four snaps with Ty Chandler, who's the next guy we're going to get into. Kenny Wangwu is far from a boisterous personality. Um, you know, he has fun. He's funny, I think. But it, he is not a, you know, the energy of the room by any stretch of the imagination. And I don't know who that is in the running back room. I mean, if it's Dalvin, it's probably if Dalvin stays, it's probably him. But it certainly will not <laughs> be Ty Chandler. Uh Growing up, everything about him is that he is this like mild mannered country boy. Like he's like plays with plays cowboy growing up and he likes to ride horses and he's like a play ball out in the field kind of kid. You know, you you'll hear a lot about like when I get to Alexander Madison, it was a lot. I mean, he grew up in kind of a more metropolitan San Bernardino, San Bernardino area where things are a little bit more crammed and you don't get like the open uh, rural experience. Ty Chandler is a hick <laughs> and that sort of like soft spoken country boy thing. It turns him into one of these, like let my play do the talking kind of guys. These like very, like he just doesn't have a lot. He doesn't have any crap to talk. He doesn't have any, um, he, he is not very boasty. He's not braggadocious. That's the word I was looking for. Um, he'll let his play do the talking and his play did a lot of talking. Uh, so his dad, Chico, played RB at Old Ole Miss. Um, so he knew the position well. And, uh, you know, Ty Chandler was running around with the football since probably before he can even remember. Um, and he always knew. He watched his dad play. He watched his uncle play. And so he knew that he was going to do it, too, when he was old enough. 
Um, and then like not far into his like true prep career, his high school career, he's like, he's, he says, he's like, Hey, wait, I'm kind of good at this. <laughs> like it just dawns on him. Like, Hey, I'm like kind of dominating. And it's that nonchalance that is so endearing that just kind of like, wait, hang on a second. I kind of rock. I didn't even realize like just totally love of the game. I absolutely love it. Um, and he, I mean, he earned a whole bunch of accolades too. Like he didn't need to, uh, exactly sleuth it out. He won Mr. Foot Tennessee, Mr. Football, which is like an award they have, uh, both his junior and senior years. And like, when you read articles about him, it's absolutely hilarious. They'll, they'll be like, yeah, so we rushed for 650 yards on Friday night and scored three receiving touchdowns. When asked about this, he said, uh, yeah, it's really all about working hard. Like you can tell they just get absolutely nothing out of him in interviews. And I mean, what more do you have to say? I just, I rushed, there was one where he rushed for literally like 398 yards. It's like, I rushed for 398 yards. Yeah. Uh, please refer to my stat line. So anyways, fast forward to college. He's at Tennessee, part of the volunteers. He's part of a, a couple of committees there as a couple of years, like as a committee uh, with John Kelly and another guy who I forget. And then it's 2020 and Eric Gray joins the Vols. Eric Gray, who just got drafted this year, was uh, the Oklahoma kid. Um, and that was like the one-two punch for them in 2020. That would be Chandler's last year as an undergrad. He would graduate after 2020. Uh, and when you graduate, that gives you the opportunity to grad transfer somewhere if you want. And he has the opportunity. He was never really the true bell cow at Tennessee. He never got that opportunity. There was always somebody else. And all these somebody else has got drafted too. Like these are all totally legit teammates that he just kind of had to split time with. And that's just how Tennessee works. I think they did the same thing again this year. Um, so he goes somewhere where they needed like a true starting running back. And that was UNC. They just lost uh, Michael Carter and Javante Williams to the draft. Those two guys had, had gone. And so they had a need at running back. They go into the transfer portal, grad transfer portal, and they get Ty Chandler, who ends up, and, and I'm totally speculating on if it was because of like just seeking a better opportunity or maybe there was somebody at UNC. I, it's like hard to find stuff on him because he doesn't, he doesn't have a lot to say. But whether I'm right about that or not, that would just be my best guess, right? He goes from like a 400 carry guy to like a 600 carry guy uh, and plays that out at UNC and it gets him drafted. He goes over a thousand yards at UNC. Uh, and it gets him drafted the, the same year there was Sam Howell. Um, he has, again, like I said, that quality preseason, both special teams and uh, from scrimmage. And he ends up making the team as the fourth tailback. Uh, or, yeah, he was the fourth tailback, like, all throughout that that preseason. Um, and he ends up getting in some special teams. But, again, injury happens, right? Uh, on... Week five in October against the Chicago Bears, he gets hurt um, on he, he fractures his thumb and he won't be back on the active roster till like December. And it sort of derails things. So it puts him in this situation now with Wong Wu and uh, now D-Way McBride has has joined the conversation. Um, of course, you know, Alexander Madison is going to get his chunk. And now if Dalvin Cook is there, he is going to demand a really, really big piece of that pie. So what do the Vikings do? I mean, the real answer to this is they let camp sort it out. But what answers will camp give us? You're predicting the preseason at that point. Uh, but it's interesting to think about where exactly things will end up here. And when we see all these guys play at camp and when we see what they do on special teams at camp, maybe we'll get a little bit more 
of an insight. Uh, tomorrow is Twitter Tuesday, so please get your questions in. You can send them to me at LukeBrownNFL or at LockedOnVikings on Twitter. You can uh, email them to LockedOnVikingsPodcast at gmail.com if you have something longer, or you can go uh, fill it to Google Form, which is right in the show notes. Um, leave a YouTube comment or whatever. Find a way, find a way to get it to me. I'll see it somehow. Uh, I will see you all for that. And as always, scroll.